2: Oh, I want you to know, don't ever think that God is up there preparing some dinky little shack up there for us in heaven. I want you to get this in your heart, that heaven's going to be a huge, magnificent, celestial, splendor, brilliant place that's greater than anything you can possibly imagine. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the very last page. And we want to look at the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, Revelation 21 and 22. There are approximately 1,200 chapters, individual chapters in the Bible. And the last two chapters talk more about heaven than the previous 1,200. It seems as though God saved The very best for last. If you ever look to buy or sell a home, the first thing you need to do is get a real estate agent and they have what's called an MLS, which is multiple listing service, which gives you snippets of information about the house that you want to buy. It will list the square footage of that house, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms. Uh, It will talk about certain utilities or the view or certain things about this house Likewise, when you come to Revelation chapter 21 and 22, which was written by the Apostle John, John is God's real estate agent. And when you read these two chapters, he gives us snippets of information about what your heavenly home is going to look like. He gives his first impressions, further impressions, and his final impressions. First impressions, write this down. As John looks into heaven and tries to explain it to us, he's overwhelmed by the splendor of what he sees. And he begins to write, Revelation 21, verse 10, he says these words, He carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. God opens up the curtains of heaven and allows John to see what heaven looks like. The Bible says he showed me to the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And then he says in verse 11, he's trying to explain it. He says it shone with what he calls the glory of God. And its brilliance was like that of a, how shall I put this? It was like a very precious jewel, like, like a jasper, clear as crystal. I want to ask you can you imagine such a place? wherever you turn, wherever you look, it reflects the glory of God. You look to the left, it's the glory of God. You look to the right, it's the glory of God. You look up, it's the glory of God. No matter where you look in heaven, you'll see and experience the glory of God. And it says that it's shown its brilliance. You don't have to scrub it to keep it clean like your car window or your kitchen counter or your glasses that somehow continue to get themselves dirty no this place is brilliant verse 11 he tries to describe it to the best of his ability and he says i looked at the city and it was like the most expensive jewel that you can possibly imagine he was overwhelmed by the splendor number two write this down he was overwhelmed by the structure of the place the bible says in verse 12 that it had a great high wall. We know down in verse 17 that the wall around heaven is over 200 feet tall. Now, usually the purpose of a wall is for security or protection. Sometimes it's used to establish a boundary. We know that the reason for the wall around heaven is not there for security or protection because no evil will ever come against that city amen so why is there a wall i think it's there as a reminder that not everyone has access to heaven not everyone's going to be there and you're not going to crawl over that wall and you're not going to be able to dig underneath that wall the only way you're ever going to get inside that city is through the gates there are gates around that wall look at verse 12 it had a great high wall with how many gates 12 gates with 12 angels and on those gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of israel now look at verse 13 there were three gates now look at this three gates on the east three gates on the north three gates on the south and three gates on the west now why are the three gates to the north to the east to the west and to the south we don't know for sure one preacher suggested that those gates represent, that eastern gate is where the sun rises, and that gate represents all the people who came to Jesus during the early years of their life, like, like I was eight years old when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He suggested that the western gate, where the sun sets, represents all the people that came to Christ in the twilight years of their life. That the northern gates where the cold north winds blow represents all the people who struggled and wrestled with God for a long time before they finally said, yes, I want to become a Christian. And he said that those southern gates where the warm weather resides represents all the people that, who accepted Jesus Christ the first time they ever heard about him. They said, I want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We really don't know for sure. I think those 12 gates represents that there'll be people coming from the four corners of the globe. Now we know verse 18 talks about the walls are made out of Jasper and verse 19 that the foundation was made of precious stones. I don't want to go into all that, but I do want to talk about these gates and why are the 12 names of the 12 tribes of Israel on those gates? Well, the first clue is this. We know that Jesus came from those 12 tribes of Israel, right? Right. And so I think there's something about those gates that are going to remind you as you walk through them that you'd only be able to walk through there because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The other thing that we learn about these gates, important clues in verse 21, it says that the 12 gates were made out of 12 pearls. Each gate was made of a single pearl. That the pearl is so large, the gate was actually cut out of the pearl. Now, did you know that a pearl is the only gem on earth that is made out of a living organism? And here's how it happens. You have this little thing called an oyster. And sand gets inside. How many of you know sand gets inside everything? (laughs) But sand gets inside this enclosed shell, and the oyster begins to secrete a fluid that goes down to that irritation and begins to cover, The that fluid covers that irritation, and it turns into a pearl. And I think that each of those 12 gates made out of a single pearl is a picture of Jesus Christ, because like sand, sin gets inside all of us every person in here has sin right including the preacher amen (laughs) including you amen it's in all of us but jesus on the cross secretes a fluid called blood and that blood covers our sin and i believe that those pearly gates gates made of a single pearl When you walk through them, you will be reminded that the only way you were able to get inside this city is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And you will realize that you have absolutely no right whatsoever to be in heaven except for what Jesus Christ did on that cross of Calvary when He shed His blood. For the covering of our sins. And then we're going to discover when you get inside that the streets are paved with gold. That's what the Bible says in verse 21. Here's what it says. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. And the great street of the city was of pure gold like transparent gold last. That's one reason why I believe there'll be no unsaved people up there because if unsaved people up there, they would steal it. (laughs) Can you imagine walking on gold? You know, I love this new building. I love the worship, the synergy that's here. Amen. It's beautiful. But have you ever looked at the floor here in this building? It's just concrete. I mean, most churches have carpet. This is just Stained concrete, some rebarb and sand and cement, mixed it all together. Can you imagine if I had told you when we were building this thing, hey, I got this idea. I think I want to pave the entire floor with solid gold. Some of you would have been upset about that. He said, Pastor, you're of money. I can't even get some of you to give an offering to help people in third world countries to have them have food. Imagine me trying to raise money. I want to put the floor here, solid 24 karat gold. You'd say that's a little extravagant. And it would be. But I want you to ask yourself this question. Why is God paving the streets in heaven with gold? Why are the walls made out of jasper? Why are the gates made of single solid pearls? I think he wants you to have an imagination. Just imagine if the pavement up there is solid gold. Just imagine how great the city's gonna be if the pavement is gold. Oh, that's exciting, amen. He was impressed with the splendor of the city, he was impressed with the structure of the city. Write this down. He was impressed with the size of the city. The Bible says in verse 16 that the city was laid out like a square. It was as long as it was wide. He actually measured it with a rod and he found it to be 12,000 stadia in length as it was in width, as high as it was long. What's that mean? That means that heaven is a perfect size cube. It is 1,500 miles wide. It is 1,500 miles long and it's 1,500 miles high. That's a large city. It was interesting when I looked at that, if you know anything about the Bible in the Old Testament, they had a temple or the tabernacle. They had what was called the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a place where the Israelites believed that God resided. And I don't know if you know the dimensions of the Holy of Holies, but it was a, it was a cube. It wasn't 1,500 miles wide. It was 15 feet wide, 15 feet long, and 15 feet But Israel believed that when the high priest went inside the Holy of Holies, that he was entering the presence of God in this 15 feet high, 15 feet wide, and 15 long cube. Isn't it interesting that when we get to heaven, the exact same dimensions multiplied, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, and 1,500 miles high, And wherever you go, every square inch will be filled with the Spirit of God and you will experience the presence of God wherever you go in that city. The city of Los Angeles is only 22 miles wide and 22 miles long. And we have 13 million people who live and just 22 miles wide and 22 miles long. Can you imagine how many people could live in a city that is 1,500 miles wide and 1,500 miles long? And don't forget the city is 1,500 miles high. Imagine if every mile there's another tier and there's 1,500 tiers. Now don't forget God has been working on this planet for He built everything that you see here in seven days, six days. He rested on the seventh. He's been working on heaven for the last 2000 years. Imagine how great it's going to be when you fly in an airplane. You know, you only fly about seven miles above the surface of the earth. You think you're way up there. You're only about seven miles up. Imagine if you were 1500 miles up. Oh, I want you to know, don't ever think that God is up there preparing some dinky little shack up there for us in heaven. I want you to get this in your heart, that heaven's going to be a huge, magnificent, celestial, splendor, brilliant place that's greater than anything you can possibly imagine. And then he gives number two, further impressions. And he says, write this down, he looks, he doesn't see any sanctuaries. There's no temple. There's no church buildings. He says it in verse 22, I looked and I did not see a temple in the city. Now you have to understand that to Jewish people back in that day, that's all they knew was the temple. When they were 40 years wandering around the wilderness, they had a portable sanctuary. They'd construct it when they settled. The whole community would be built around that sanctuary, that temple. And when they went to worship, everybody got up on the holy days and they went to the temple to worship God. When they finally established themselves in Israel, they built a temple that was destroyed. So they built a second temple. It too was destroyed. The only thing that remains of that second temple is part of the foundation, which is today the Western Wall. When you go over there, it still is in existence. But Jews all over the world, three times a year on holy days, they would get all their stuff together and they would go to the temple for what purpose? They would go there to worship. It's exactly what you did here today. This, in a sense, is a sanctuary. And what did you do, every one of you? You were you you got up today and you go well i gotta go to church so let's get everything together and you somehow got here and you're here and why are you here you got here because we came here to worship god i want you to know that when you're in heaven you're not going to have to go someplace to worship god that you're going to be able to worship god wherever you go because you're going to be in his presence look at verse 22 it says that the lord god almighty and the lamb are its temple. Worship is not going to be something you do at Saturday night at 6 o'clock or Sunday morning at 9 or 11. When you get up to heaven, you're going to be worshiping God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, all day, every day. And I want to say this to you, listen carefully. If If you don't like coming to church, you're just someone, I don't go to church. If you don't like coming to church for the purpose of worshiping God, you're probably not going to like heaven. Because when we get up there, we're going to be worshiping God. You might as well come here and get used to it. Amen. (laughs) No sanctuary. Write this down. No substitutes. No substitutes. Verse 23 says that the city, now pay attention to these words, the city, heaven, it does not need the sun nor the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light and lamb its lamp. Did you know that the sun is the most brilliant thing that we know? Did you know that the sun is 90 million miles away from earth? This week, I think it was on Monday, I looked up in the sky. I could see the sun and the moon at the same time. I don't really understand that, but I looked up and there's the sun and there's the moon. Well, the moon is much closer than the sun. The moon is about a quarter of 1 million miles away. It's about 256, 259,000 miles. That's just a quarter of 1 million. The sun is 90 million miles from this earth. But it is so bright, and it is so brilliant, and it is so powerful, even though it's 90 million miles away, if you go outside in 15 minutes, it will burn your skin. That's how powerful it is. John tells us when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a need for the sun. That the sun's going to be puny and unimpressive compared to the glory of God. That all of heaven will be filled with his glory. Now, when you get up there, I got bad news and good news. The bad news is this. If you work for DWP, you're going to be unemployed. The good news is, The rest of us will have no more DWP bills. No more electric bills. Number three, there'll be no sinners in heaven. Not going to be any sinners up there. There's one righteous Pharisee right back there. Now look at verse 27. It's in the Bible. Watch these words. Nothing... Say nothing. nothing. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There'll be nothing impure, nothing deceitful, no crime, no violence, no immorality. No filthy language, no lying, no cheating, no stealing. There'll be no need for lawyers. (laughs) (laughs) Lawyers don't be offended by that. There'll be no need for sermons. Not just lawyers, you're not going to need a preacher. There's no need to listen to a sermon any longer. There's no pollution, no sewers, no cavities. There'll be no racism in heaven of any kind. There'll be no prejudices of any kind. There'll be no injustices of any kind. No strife, no division, no war, no pain, No sorrow, no sickness, no cancer, no death, no disease. There'll be no CNN. There'll be no Fox News. There'll be no political rhetoric or spin. No heartache, no backache, no back pain, no knee pain. No doctors, no hospitals, no ambulances, no cemeteries, nothing impure. No cats. (laughs) That's in my notes right here. No cats. There will be dogs. That's in the book of Leviticus. You'll have to go back and read it. There'll be no evil of any kind. No evil of any kind.
1: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number 888-818-4777 That number again is 888-818-4777 You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com That address again is liftupjesus.com Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.